As we constantly move forward, there's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. I'm Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host, and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. You can follow tweeting of the show, ask questions, or make comments about the show during the program on Twitter at hashtag Big Beacon. And today we're fortunate to be joined by Bob Harder, Dean of Engineering at George Fox University in Oregon. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Dave. Well, it's good to have you, and, and we'll explore um, your role and, and a little bit about George Fox in a minute. But, Bob, you've been a faculty member. You're an academic leader. We like to get to know our guests a little bit, so let's uh, go back in the time machine. Uh, what were some of the early influences in your life that put you on your current path? Well, it depends how far we want to go back, but uh, I guess some things that uh, <clears throat> helped uh, direct my trajectory out here were uh, starting with my father, who was an engineer. Um, so I grew up kind of on the side of a drafting table yeah. and uh, was influenced uh, in my thinking and um, in my career path. Um, uh, in uh, in university, I had uh, several role models that uh, were professors, but I didn't really ever consider um, that that would be my lot in life. I, I wanted to go work, uh, and I didn't see this what they did as work, uh, uh, particularly, you know, I wanted to go work in industry because my dad was an engineer in industry and, uh, I was taught to value that. Um, I, uh, spent time in industry and, uh, got really interested in, uh, going deeper in, uh, in, in my academic studies, went back to grad school and there really kind of had a transformative experience that, uh, uh, was, Contributed by a number of, of different faculty members, but uh, uh, also teaching for the first time as a as a TA, um, mm. I, I learned to really uh, I struggled as a student as an undergrad, and so I felt like uh, a lot of satisfaction in being able to explain things to students in a way that um, made sense to me, and I felt they could relate to. Yeah, nice, and and. Um... I was uh, digging around, uh, and what was your what kind of industrial experience did you have? Where where did you work um, in industry? So uh, my background was mainly in in heavy metals. I, I did a uh, uh, several co op uh, stints with Republic Steel in Cleveland and Chicago. Um, then I uh, also worked at British Steel in uh, Cardiff, Wales. Uh, briefly, uh, and then I uh, spent several years at U.S. Steel and Gary Works, uh, always involved with uh, uh, combustion, heat transfer, energy systems, uh, metallurgy. Cool. And on the show, as you know, we um, we oftentimes focus on on um, what Mark Somerville and I called unleashing experiences. Uh, uh, in the book, A Whole New Engineer, you, you mentioned the transformative experience of grad school, um, the sense of uh, unleashing experiences, we like to say, is the sense in which there was something hard to do or something you didn't think you could do, and someone um, either positively or negatively helped give you the courage to uh, do this do this hard thing um, um, and, and helped you overcome that that difficult thing, um, and in certain sense, you're unleashed by that. So, what uh, what unleashing? Sometimes they're big, and sometimes they're little. But are, what kind of unleashing experiences have you had that you might want to share? Well, yeah, I think there's been kind of this incremental <clears throat> unleashing. As I look back, um, I can see, for instance, um, just. 
uh, a conversation I had with a vendor at, while I was uh, doing a job for U.S. Steel, mm. and um, he, he kind of sat me down and said he had um, seven kids, uh, it was uh, advanced in years, and just uh, had this very wise comment. He said, you know, um, you just pursue education because... Um, no one can ever take it away from you. The government really can't tax it. It's something that you'll always own. And, and so he really, he made me think about going back to grad school, something I had never considered. Um, and that was uh, serendipitous in that U.S. Steel, then USX was about to go on strike. And so I was, uh, they were reorging the uh, the position I was in. And um, it, it kind of gave me pause and uh, I, I I acted on those words, and uh, and uh, that kind of also uh, dovetailed with some uh, advice I got from uh, a faculty member that I had respected, uh, who uh, uh, I thought, you know, summer's off, you know, this is going to be, you know, a, a nice gig going to academia, and, and uh, he really challenged me, and it was unleashing in a different sense that it unleashed a, a bit of uh, awe and fear for <laughs> um, the the amount of uh, work it really took to to, to be a good uh, faculty member and, and a professor and uh, he said you know it's it's not what you think uh, he had just come out of a, a hospital where he had been spent a lot of time uh, there because of uh, stress related health issues and uh, had worked himself you know into this um, Kind of physical mess, and um, and uh, you know he just he kind of warned me and said you know it's um, it's great but you know you've got to you've got to learn how to manage it. Um, but with those two kind of uh, encouragements, I went back to grad school, and um, um, yeah, so that was kind of uh, th- those were unleashing in, in a couple different ways. Um, yeah. Now that's uh, so it's interesting. I. I um the uh, first, the first one, the, the the somebody suggesting more education at a time when you were ripe uh, happened to me after my master's, and I was working for a firm, and a faculty member said, "Hey, Dave, when are you going back to grad school?" Like it was obvious to everyone that I should, and but I and I I didn't even think about it until that, and it sort of when he asked me, it dawned on me that that's exactly what I wanted to do and I hadn't really admitted it to myself. So it's interesting that that kind of somebody bringing up the educational possibility at a certain time can be exactly the, the spur that somebody needs to go do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that um, now, you know, as I give out uh, uh, wisdom to students, you know, it's interesting to uh, hear back from them at times how things I've said uh, for one reason or another struck yep. them at a time when it, it caused them to change. Um, so that's uh, an encouragement to not be too, uh, 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 let's say, uh, yeah, be free with your advice. <laughs> well, and it gives us a, yeah, I've, um, it gives us pause to that our words actually matter, and that uh, people come back and say, "Well, you said this," and of course, you don't remember it, and and uh, and it and it changed the course of their life, and and uh, it gives us pause uh, about the responsibility that we hold and how we're affecting affecting people. But probably it probably doesn't affect us to 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 not give the advice in the in the long long run. Bob, you're. Um, you're Dean of Engineering at George Fox University near Portland. Uh, what do our listeners need to know about George Fox? So, uh, George Fox is a, uh, uh, I, would, I would say, a decidedly uh, Christian or Christ-centered university. So we were founded by the Quakers, uh, the Evangelical Friends, back in 1891. Um, started as Friends Pacific Academy, um, Notable was that Her- Herbert Hoover went here. Uh, he lived just down the street uh, and went here for two years before he transferred to Stanford. Um, we didn't have engineering back then. The school had just uh, a handful of students. Um, the uh, uh, institution, when I came uh, in 1988, <clears throat> starting my 30th year, so in 88 I came, and uh, the institution had 700 students. And it was primarily seen as a uh, private, uh, small uh, Christian liberal arts university or college at the time, George Fox College. Um, 
and uh, during my time here, we've now grown to just over 4,200 students total at uh, George Fox University. We've got several campuses. Um, we still have uh, a strong liberal arts tradition, I would say, um, but um, uh, we have a lot of professional programs, uh, engineering being one of them, which is what I started in 88. I came and started the engineering program here with three students, and um, uh, now the College of Engineering has uh, uh, over 500 students in it. Um, <clears throat> It uh, remains a decidedly Christ-centered institution. I can talk more about that, but that's yeah. uh, one of the uh, uh, really cornerstone or bedrock of, of uh, why our institution exists and uh, why many of us are here. Yeah, and and uh, and I and I think we need to talk about the, um, the Christ-centeredness of the school um, as we go forward. Um, if if to help our our colleagues, uh, if if you were to list some of the distinctive features of George of engineering at George Fox, what what would they be? Yeah, I mean it's 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 exciting to look back and think about how things uh, uh, evolved. I I thought I would come out for maybe three years and 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 start a, uh, a teaching gig at a university, um, although I felt very strongly called to come to this place, um, mm-hmm. in, in part because of an opportunity to start something that never existed. Um, so it was both daunting and uh, an amazing adventure. Um, but uh, in in developing the program here, it started as a 3-2 transfer program, so there, there was uh, uh, a lot of teaching. Uh, I taught... Um, Everything, including general physics, uh, in the first three years. So electrical engineering courses. Uh, and my background's mechanical. So uh, some of these were a stretch. Um, but as as the program grew and students really seemed to appreciate uh, the high bar that was set, they would go on and transfer to other schools. Um, they often said, "Well, why, why can't we stay here for a fourth year? Why can't we have a four-year degree?" And so that became actually something I considered, and it was serendipitous that ABET was uh, coming out in, in 97 with an EC2000 criteria that was outcomes-based. So this really allowed myself and, and the one colleague I had hired in 95 um, to uh, dream about a four-year program. So um, based on my experience in industry, somewhat I, I, I it seemed as though many engineering programs were becoming very theoretical. Uh, you know, heavy emphasis on uh, mathematics and research and um, kind of getting away from hands-on. So one of the things that I really wanted to be distinctive was that there would be a lot of hands-on, a lot of active learning, a lot of, uh, well, we were small, so small group learning was easy. (laughs) Um, Sure. But, um, yeah, we added uh, distinctives in um, a machine shop that uh, allowed for a lot of hands-on design build experiences, uh, we have since uh, tried to really focus on our, our Christ-centered mission in, in adding a service, what some of them might call a service learning component. It's, it's what we call servant engineering. It's a course required of all of our engineering students, um, which uh, involves students in, in teams with faculty members doing design-build engineering work for people in need or uh, for a nonprofit uh, organization. Uh, so that's a distinctive. Also, um, our senior capstone was modeled after the Harvey Mudd clinic model. Spent uh, several uh, uh, weeks down at Harvey Mudd working with uh, Clive Dim and others to uh, really understand what they had so I could bring it here uh, again because we really want to engage with industry and, and the community around us. Yeah, nice. And, and so... Um the servant uh, engineering piece. What what year is that offered, or when do kids usually take it? It's it's required of all juniors uh, in engineering, and uh, it's being expanded into computer science as well. Uh, they are now part of our college, um, and so it's uh, two hours in the fall semester, two hours in the spring, and uh, it's morphed over the years from. Uh, from our original vision of what it might be to what's uh, what it is now, but uh, uh, at this point, what we have is a, 
uh, front end that uh, teaches a lot of uh, uh, design thinking. So we, we go through a user-centered design, kind of an IDEO approach for about eight weeks with students and, and faculty members. Um, and then uh, they move from a big problem in the world to um, a project or uh, something that's uh, fairly well constrained that they can begin to uh, work on. Um, and then they spend uh, the rest of the year uh, on a team with uh, five students and one faculty member uh, meeting weekly to basically uh, address that problem. Nice. And, uh, and the term, you know, so the term servant uh, can, um, we were just having a conversation where people were using the term servant in the, in the context of uh, um, Robert Greenleaf's servant leadership. Um, mm, mm-hmm. But here, but here is this the sense? This is the uh, serving the serving uh, Christ, or ser- in what sense is the is it servant engineering? Well, I, I think it's it's um, this whole image of yeah. Uh, to be fair, I mean this image of, of Christ coming, you know, to, to uh, yeah. serve and not to be served. He said so. Uh, he, yes. he came to serve. Uh, I think that. Um, as uh, as a crisis engineering program, um, we wanted to help our students see that uh, there were other ways to use their gifts and abilities and what they were learning in uh, our program. It, it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't be a monolithic uh, picture of well, um, you you learn these things, you're in high demand, um, you're left brained, uh, so you'll be yeah. good at this. People will pay you a lot, and you'll go get a job. I think that um, we wanted to just challenge that as being maybe a singular uh, image uh, for our students. And so by having them intentionally work for a year um, in a small team, um, no textbooks, no lectures, it's, it's basically doing engineering. So how can you use your skills um, what you've learned so far to address the need of someone, someone and uh, to help someone in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, talk some more about uh, some of the work on entrepreneurship and innovation at George Fox. Great. This is big beacon radio with our guest, Bob Harder from George Fox university. Stay with us. And in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and innovation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. 
And the second segment is sponsored by Three Joy Associates. Get the training, coaching, and change leadership facilitation to help transform your educational institution or organization. And uh, you can uh, follow tweeting of the show on uh, Twitter at hashtag Big Beacon. And we're back with Bob Harder from George Fox University. And Bob, in the last segment, we were um, yeah, we were talking about um, kind of the origins of the engineering program at George Fox. And actually, the the origins are are are. Um, are similar. What uh, Olin, I think, started in '99 and had kids later. So you actually had a working engineering program before Olin, and meant, it sounds to me like, given the uh, ABET, uh, the 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 change in the ABET regs, and and uh, some of what was in the air with the NSF uh, engineering consortiums and so forth, trying to make engineering edu- yet another reform of engineering education. So a lot of that was in in the air at the at the um, uh, uh, time. Um, so you've probably watched as Olin's arisen and gotten a lot of the, um, a lot of the airtime and a lot of the attention, um, um, uh, and I'm trying to ask this question in a way that doesn't seem, uh, um, unfair, but it, you know, so it, you know, it seems like Olin has gotten a lot of the airtime. Uh, you know, it, sometimes it must feel like you, you've got this uh, this great school with more kids than than Olin doing in some ways many of the same things. Uh, it must feel uh, like, hey, look at look at me, we've got this cool thing going over here. What? Uh, why doesn't anyone listen to what we're doing? Yeah, well, you know, Dave, I, I can say that our uh, the president who hired me, Ed Stevens, back in 88, uh, would often say, you know, uh, George Fox College is, uh, at that time we were a college, uh, George Fox College is one of Oregon's best-kept secrets. He said, we need to change that. And so really, it, it, it's kind of been um, part and parcel of my 30-year career of, uh, of developing the program here, just to informing people. And so it's really been organic in that sense. It's grown out of, we, we grew out of the uh, Department of Math and Computer Science uh, in a division of natural sciences, which at the time included home ec and biology, uh, among other things. And there was pre-engineering or 3-2 engineering. So um, it's been a long journey that uh, I've really just enjoyed. And so I know when you talk about joy of engineering and, and a joy of learning and joy of community, I, I can say there, there's been a real joy for me in just being able to um, stick with it. I think uh, being able to peek around the corner, look back at where you've come from uh, has, has continued to fuel and provide energy to go forward. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's part of... Um, I guess what I do well, have done well, is I, uh, because I enjoy it and really believe in it, um, I've been able to share that. And, um, and yeah, people oftentimes ask me, you know, uh, who's George Fox, uh, you know, and, and uh, sure. uh, what's that all about? But, uh, you know, so, so Olin had the, the benefit of um, some, some big money and a greenfield site and uh, some awesome, uh, uh, you know, visionary leadership with a seasoned uh, person uh, um, that uh, uh, you know had experience at USC and other places. Uh, I was um, a young green, uh, uncompleted uh, PhD, um, trying to start a three-two program by myself. So uh, just a different approach, but it's it's. I'm encouraged by what they're doing. Um, I've uh, I've not visited them, but. Uh, uh, I've uh, met several of their faculty through uh, involvement with uh, VentureWell and uh, the the Keen Network, and uh, it's it's been uh, really a delight. So um, uh, there's there's just synergy, I think. Well, sure, and and uh, and we're all uh, trying to come up with uh, a, a different kind of engineering education, and I guess you know one of the things that strikes me as I look at Olin or I look at when I look at schools and what they're trying to do is this, um, you know, so a lot of a lot of uh, research 
uh, institutions, public institutions. It's about the research. It's it really gets to be a lot about um, about faculty ego and faculty doing. Um, and I'm I was at a, I was at R ones my whole career and indulged in in that. And it but it struck me fairly late in life that um, this. You know the this believing in students and this trusting students. This uh, use the term servant engineering that um, it was really about being a servant professor and believe and kind of um, 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 turning it around from the way things are kind of normally in in research institutions. To what to what extent? Um, and I think that's one of the things I I admire about um, what I've seen at Olin. To what extent? To what extent do you think you've got that kind of culture um, where where faculty are actually, in this sense, uh, serving students uh, as opposed to merely directing them or having students be obedient to them? Yeah, that's a that's a great you know kind of question, and I think for for me. Um, it really wasn't an option in a sense that in coming to Fox. Uh, there was no engineering program. I mean, there was this 3-2 thing, right? right. And um, the people here didn't even know what engineering was. I mean, to be fair, some did. But a lot of them were like, what are you doing here? This is a liberal arts college. I mean, why, why are you even here? And so I, um, you know, wasn't defensive, but there, there was always kind of this, um, if I didn't have humility, <laughs> there was plenty uh, offered just because of the situation. Uh, leaving Purdue, uh, my advisor there said, well, what will they pay you in this new job? And I told him, and he said, well, you don't need to take that. You'll get a better offer. And I said, no, I really feel called to do this. And so there was a, a lot of kind of swimming against the tide. And so um, I think, um, again, because I had to... Re- really work hard as a student and could identify with students and really kind of had to um, be both a pioneer and a bit of a salesman to help students see, you know, hey, you can come to this, I don't want to say no-name school, but this small unknown school um, that is not known for engineering uh, and uh, will make you successful and um, I'll do my darndest. And so I think a culture was built here that as I slowly added faculty, um, the, the culture remained one of really championing the student or the customer because if they weren't successful, um, getting getting a job, um, being you know out there in in our local community or region, um, and being identified with this place, uh, if they failed, then I failed, um, and so it was always about them being successful because that ultimately would help build the success of this place, um, which I really believed in and believed it could be something great. Um, so also realizing there, you know, there was no grad program, no grad classes, no funding for anything like that. I mean, I, I did some research, um, a lot of it was applied kind of industrial work that I did uh, as a consultant that I brought a student along with and published on. But uh, again, I think because there wasn't a system, if you will, to to, to fight against or to have to uh, transform or break, it was more like, what will you create? And um, it, it's always been, that's our, our motto here at George Fox is, is be known. Um, that's what we promise students. We have the be known promise that they will be known um, because ultimately that's what's most important is that experience they have. Um, and um, it, it reflects back on us as faculty. We have to be vulnerable and transparent so they know us, um, not uh, know who we are, but um, know about us, uh, not just where our office is, for instance. So there's that, I think, level of, and some of this, I have to say, is also inspired by the Quakers who really um, uh, yes. don't, don't traditionally uh, place a lot of value in titles. Uh, and, um, and so it's not that it's not important to have a doctorate and, and to be an expert. It's more that um, students here are pretty used to calling us on a first-name basis, and that's kind of how it remains. Yeah, and and actually, something you were you were just talking about this, uh, and, and sometimes um, 
So we've heard from some of our liberal arts colleagues, we hear a lot about how, well, what ails engineering education is this lack of liberal arts. And But the my colleagues in the liberal arts that are paying attention to engineering go, you know, we could actually, in the liberal arts, we could use a little bit more of this action in the world that engineering emphasizes. And I'm wondering if the presence of your program has inspired the the um, the liberal arts to to um, to learn from the engineering example, not just the other way around. Oh, I, th- I think so. I think especially with all the emphasis on getting jobs nowadays, I, I think that uh, um, folks who had seen the you know ultimate value of of a four year degree as being just you know additional knowledge in a certain subject area um, for its own sake, I think, are, are realizing that you know, students can't continue to pay a lot of money for that, especially when a lot of it's available online. So um, I think they've really thought about what's the value add, uh, and, and we've, we've partnered with them in different ways, and, um, uh, yeah, I think they've learned from us as well. Yeah. So, in looking on your website, so George Fox is a member of any number of networks. You're a member of the uh, Keen Network that you mentioned before for entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially minded learning. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what um, what's the Keen contribution to uh, the educational experience at George Fox? Well, we just became an official member of the network. Um, you know, a, a couple months ago, and so, uh, uh, but but I have been uh, kind of going uh, as an invited guest to Keen functions uh, since probably 2012 or so, 2013, sure. um, and so it, it, it's taken a bit to really kind of thread the needle on that relationship. But uh, I think part of what really excites me about it is that. Um, a lot of what um, what Keen uh, emphasizes in EML, uh, that's entrepreneurially minded learning, um, the the curiosity, uh, connections, and creating value. Um, in particular, the the uh, curiosity and and I would say primarily the creating value piece. It seemed like it was so missing in the. Uh, it was just absent in a lot of what. Um, I had experienced as an undergraduate student the the idea that and, and unfortunately it, it was also something that um, I felt like as I added colleagues and and uh, to the to the program here and we grew a lot of them were kind of importing some of their own uh, experiences from their university backgrounds and uh, how they were taught and and things they emphasized and it it, it seemed as though um, we were maybe drifting a bit in in uh, in that uh, uh, you know get helping students uh, think that well getting the right answer is the end. Um, everyone will love your design if it works because you made it work. And this idea that creating value really uh, is about talking to customers. It's about uh, empathy. It's about, uh, you know, becoming vulnerable and getting out and, and going out and talking to um, people about uh, their perceptions of your ideas, and your designs. Um, th- that to me um, is something I wanted to do more of here. And so um, being able to uh, attend some of the keen conferences and get more involved with the network uh, is, is, I think, a way to, to strengthen that element here because it's it's not easy. Uh, there's different ways to do it in different classes, um, but but learning from others uh, and um, and then again without a lot of uh, institutional inertia to fight, uh, I can simply uh, you know not impose, but infuse these kinds of uh, uh, modules and other things yes. very very quickly in our program. Yeah. Well, that's interesting what you're saying, that actually it, in some way I'm hearing it as sort of helping you preserve what you uh, helped build at the beginning, and I'm hearing it as kind of a, as you hire other people, the the cultural artifacts and and uh, assumptions of, of the dominant culture are always at risk of infecting something that's special and good. 
Hmm. And so it's uh, I'm hearing what I'm hearing that one of the th- things Keen does is help you articulate some of what was special and good about what was created originally. Comment. Yeah, I think that the group of schools that they've assembled, um, we very much wanted to be connected with in, in a vital and public way because of the the value those schools uh, generally are placing um, not just on, well, obviously on entrepreneurially minded learning, but um, that, that's a phrase, if you will, that I think captures what they stand for, which is a very uh, student-centered uh, education that's focused on undergraduate students primarily and um, th- their transformative experience uh, in the curriculum. I think we need to take another break. I, I, want, I want to come back, and, uh, and we talked a little bit about the servant engineering and the uh, Christ-centeredness, and I want to talk about uh, that in connection with uh, ideas of education transformation in our next segment. Great. This is uh, Big Beacon Radio with our special guest, Bob Harder from George Fox. And in the next, um, next segment, we're going to explore that interconnection. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Big Beacon Radio, and our final segment is sponsored by the book that is transforming higher education, a whole new engineer, the coming revolution in engineering education at wholenewengineer.org. It's not just for engineers anymore. And uh, we're back with uh, Bob Harder from George Fox University. And uh, Bob, we're talking a little bit about entrepreneurship and some of the special things at George uh, Fox. Um, but I... I, I um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, educational transformation. You were among the 35 or so people who attended the Educational Transformers Unconference uh, uh, last June at uh, Lehigh University uh, Mountaintop Initiative that was sponsored by Big Beacon. And I'm, um, and we haven't actually had a chance to talk since the unconference, but uh, what were some of your key takeaways about educational change and educational transformation um, that you were left with from that event or reflection after that event? I think one of the things I really loved about that was just uh, how it was a fairly small and very intimate setting um, in terms of, uh, you know, it was a room I, I knew, I think, two other people there, maybe three um, and how very quickly um, the uh, the walls came down, and uh, we got real with each other and talked about um, things that really mattered in education, and um, the diversity of perspectives. Um, 
So again, talking about unleashing this idea that uh, uh, it's, it's trust and courage. I uh, felt like there was that modeled in the sessions at the unconference that we we uh, were encouraged to to offer trust and to learn to trust each other as we shared um, openly about our own experiences and our ideas. Um, uh, I think the uh, the emphasis on listening and uh, the depth at which we listen uh, was a good uh, a good reminder and something that we uh, we had to take into various activities. Um, the uh, importance of uh, again collaboration being an important element in in uh, transforming higher ed and and how that was modeled there we we were encouraged to uh, um, mix up our uh, our uh, activities with different uh, individuals so again we we didn't just get comfortable with one person or one group um, and we had to again uh, tell our story so the storytelling piece was uh, uh, emphasized as well so um, I think the the leading with fascination um, is something I'll always remember, this uh, yeah. uh, encouragement to think again almost like a child about uh, being excited about uh, your, your, the learning that you're, uh, if you will, uh, delivering to, to students, hopefully, and, and what that looks like, uh, thinking afresh about that. Nice. And I've been thinking about that event, and, and, and thanks for that. Synopsis and and um, of course th- there was intention around creating that kind of culture, although we didn't know that it would um, couldn't be sure that it would work um, as really as well as it it did. And and I think uh, you know the the small group and the intimacy helped, and some of some of the intention helped. Um, and then it's. Um, then it's interesting to contrast that with our our mainstream cultures back home and and to what extent we can have those or not have those elements in the in the in the mainstream of of our educational culture seems to be an Im- important issue but i i i want to think i want to talk about this um i was thinking as we were as i was preparing for today's show and i was thinking about um George Fox's um, Christ-centered mission and and uh, seriousness of of that. Um, you know, most of our faculty and and uh, many of our listeners work at public universities or non-denominational uh, private schools. And um, and you were actually a number of times during this uh, our conversation. You've talked about being called. Um, to George Fox, and to what you know, to what extent is the culture of George Fox distinctive because of this Christ-centered orientation? Yeah, I think that um, there's a couple things I can just kind of uh, ramble off boilerplate here, so folks understand a little bit more about us. You know, our, our vision is to be the Christian University of choice, known for empowering students to achieve exceptional life outcomes. Uh, our mission is. Uh, that George Fox has a Christ-centered community, prepares students spiritually, academically, and professionally to think with clarity, act with integrity, and serve with passion. Our values are students first, Christ in everything, and innovation to improve outcomes. And our promise is that George Fox, each student will be known personally, academically, and spiritually. So I think you see a, a kind of a, a thread following, flowing through there that is um, uh, the, the value we place on um, Really, not just not just a historical tradition of a Quaker um, founded institution, but uh, a very real uh, understanding and relationship uh, that that faculty and students have with their Creator uh, through Christ. And so, I think we uh, th- this comes out in uh, in our servant engineering program. Uh, yes. we talked about that earlier, but. Uh, Really, it's kind of compelled by the by First Peter four ten says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So again, there's this kind of appeal to um, you know our, our Savior in terms of what He uh, has uh, shown us as an example, and so how that works out in 
in um, our distinctives, I think. Um, and, and I would also say that I have so many uh, very good friends and colleagues who um, are believers that uh, who are at other institutions. They, they face different challenges, but they have uh, many of the same motivations I do. Uh, it's just that I have a different um, institutional um, uh, mandate, if you will, or set of freedoms here. But it's not like one is better than another. They're just different modalities um, for people who maybe see the world uh, very similarly. Sure. Um, but I well, think I, here, it, 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 uh, for me, I mean, I think humility is really a, a big piece of um, uh, how how we're different uh, or how we can be different. Yeah. Uh, I think recognizing that uh, we're dust or a mist or a vapor. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's not all about us. It's, it's about uh, something that transcends us and who that will be here after us. Yeah. And I, it's that that I want to explore. And I was connecting, you know, and you mentioned um, the leading with fascination, the lovely uh, opening on keynote that Kate Goodman from uh, CU Denver gave, and I've been thinking about uh, her dissertation on trans- transform uh, transformative experiences in engineering education, and so- some of the definitions, some of the literature on transformation talks about transformation as being things in um, um, a learning experience in which you s- that you then subsequently see. Uh, the thing almost ubiquitously throughout your life. And I guess I've been thinking about that in connection with a, a Christ-centered, God-centered uh, institution. Um, and you, you, what did the, the mission statement, you just, you know, uh, Christ in all things, there's a sense in which seeing things in that way is, it doesn't guarantee it, but it seems like there's an advantage from the standpoint of seeing transformation in the educational experience if viewed through that lens. Comment. Yeah, I think that um, in terms of uh, transformation, um, you know, by by being able to see, uh, say, both the, the natural and the built environment uh, as a display of God's handiwork, it, it changes the value we place on things mm. and on people. And again, it's not unique to this place, uh, but it is something uh, in this place I think we really try to champion and uh, unleash in, in, in a very uh, different way because of the freedoms we have. Um, so again, I think there's this um, outside, of, besides uh, I talked about uh, humility as a perspective or a posture with which we see um, the world, there's also also a responsibility you know we uh, we are we create in god's image the imago dei so uh, in the image of god and so um, i think the mandate there is that we should be creative um, maybe the most creative uh, uh, we should exercise creativity uh, but we have to tend the garden so there's this responsibility we have to not only be creative but also to be care uh, you know caretakers um I think there's uh, empathy that comes out, uh, you know, that, uh, again, God's love and compassion that transcends race, class, education, time, business relationships. But, you know, then it can also go beyond to, like, well, the customer-client relationship in our senior design teams. What does it mean to really care about the client? Uh, it means it's not about just getting, uh, again, the right answer or the right design at the right price, but is it really something that, um, that you know that, that they want? And so you have to dig deeper into um, how they're feeling. Uh, I think vulnerability uh, is a part of that. You know, by being confident in the value God places in us, um, we can uh, look out at, uh, at the rest of the world and uh, not have to question our own value in God's eyes. So there's this uh, way in which we can uh, constantly be vulnerable, uh, be transparent. I'm, I am who I am, uh, and um, yeah. my value isn't necessarily in what uh, uh, what I do or uh, wh- what others say about me. But it's it's it comes from um, my again who God says that I am, and so I think there's a free uh, a freedom um, that uh, is is inherent in that. Um, 
and how that uh, that allows us to again. Uh, hopefully, um, we're not uh, necessarily perfect at this, but again, allows us to engage in vulnerable uh, and authentic relationships with students and with uh, clients that we do senior design projects for, um, parents, uh, others. And Kate also, and I was thinking about the way in which Kate was in her current work is trying to connect aesthetics and beauty to transformative experience. And it seems to me that that connection is ripe for uh, the kind of institution George Fox is as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we, we talk about this in our uh, at our uh, college retreats. Uh, I always have a time where I, I have faculty share um, their experiences. What are they doing in the classroom? Yeah. And... Um, you know, from from physicists so in the College of Engineering, we not only have mechanical, civil, electrical, and computer engineering, we also have mathematics, um, computer science, cybersecurity, information systems, and um, physics. But more recently, as of this summer, um, they've reorged the academics and uh, have added biology and chemistry to my college. So yeah. uh, it's really a, a rich mix of people um, that uh, can speak to different ways in which they see beauty in their work, whether it's in an equation um, or in uh, you know uh, a slide on a microscope. Um, Great. One, we've got just about uh, 30 seconds left. Uh, how can people get uh, learn more about George Fox and uh, get in touch with you? Well, I, I guess I haven't written any books or anything, so um, if they, you know they, they can certainly uh, shoot me an email. I, I, I like to respond. I'm always happy to tell people more about the program here. Um, they can come to our, go to our website um, and find my connections there as well. Great. Yeah, so I'm just beharder at georgefox.edu. Shoot me an email. Let's strike up a conversation. I love to connect. Thanks. Thanks, Bob, for uh, joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, Dave. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. Special thanks to our guest, Bob Harder, and, and George Fox University. Help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, on our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.